I didn't grow up in your family, but I'm going to guess your family was not particularly different from mine, and you've got traditions. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Christmas is the time for traditions. I mean, that's part of what we hold so dear. Maybe your tradition is you've got to celebrate it someplace, or maybe it's some particular food, or you have to wait until the, the right people are there. Whatever your tradition, we've all got traditions. Well, I grew up in a family that, that had traditions also. Right now, we're somewhere into the third generation of this tradition. I'm going to share it with you, because when I was a kid, I couldn't stand it. Man, we would go to Grandma and Grandpa's house. It was a five-hour drive away, and they weren't particularly big houses, but they had like a fire uh, code occupancy of 15 people, and we'd pack between Grandma and Grandpa and moms and dads and, and aunts and uncles and cousins. We'd pack like 75 kids in there, 75 people in the house. So it's hot, right? And my one grandpa, he, he used to love Ludafisk. And so that wasn't just a Christmas smell. That hung around till like Memorial Day. But all we wanted was the presents because they all did such a great job. They were so generous. There was always the trees and always all the presents. But we had to have dinner before we could get to the presents. And then Grandma insisted that they hand wash and hand dry and put away all the dishes. Right? When that was all done, then it got to the time where we got to go into the living room and we were going to open presents. But before we did, there, there was that one other tradition that we had to pay attention to. The youngest grandchild who could read wrote the Christmas, read the Christmas story from the Gospel of Luke. When I got to my age, someone just figured me out here uh, after last service. They said, I understand why you talk so fast. That was because of that. It was childhood trauma. We had to read the Christmas story before we could get to the presents. I used to think my parents were so crazy. What were they thinking? The youngest grandchild that could read? It would take seven hours. But now that I'm a grandpa, I realize that was the one time that night that really focused on what really mattered. You know, grandma and grandpa, mom and dad, they, aunts and uncles, they understood it was the people, but they also understood that it was about Jesus. And, and they kind of forced us kids into, into complying because they had the presence. But you know, now that I'm at this age, I realize how important that tradition is. So I'm going to invite you into my family tradition that we're carrying on at our house today. This is the Christmas story as read in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, without the Ludifisk. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with a great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 
And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. That passage from the Gospel of Luke, those 20 verses, is the true and trustworthy biblical account of the historically factual event that records the very real birth of Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. What that means is, Jesus is the original Christmas gift. His arrival was celebrated by his parents, by angels and shepherds. But when we read that text, there's no camels that are noted. No sheep, no donkeys, no cows. Certainly not Santa Claus. Christmas is Christmas because it's the day that we celebrate God's gift of his only son that he gave to us, to me, to you. That's what the celebration is all about. Jesus, then, is the only reason that we have for this season. And I don't know what it is about this year, but this year Christmas is hitting me differently. It's hitting me in a profoundly deep way when I realize the simplicity of that story that we just read. Yeah, there was an angel that went and announced to the shepherds, but this child that changed the future of the world was born in a place that that was left over. It was a place that nobody else would have wanted to have been. And the simplicity of the story of Jesus' birth, when you understand what it means for your life and your eternity, can't be lost on us. See, we know the truth of Jesus, but we also know the truth of Santa Claus. And sometimes knowing the truth just isn't enough. The the trouble with knowing the truth is sometimes we ignore the most important truths of our life in favor of fun stories. Sometimes we prefer what is easy to what is true. Sometimes, Sometimes we choose what makes us feel good rather than knowing the right thing that we should choose to do. We turn from what will save us in favor of what will entertain us. We listen to what will tickle our ears and we dismiss what will save our souls. Paul writes in Romans 1, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped this and served the creature rather than the creator. Yes, Santa Claus is fun. But if we don't teach and emphasize the real meaning of Christmas to our children, how will they ever know? How will they ever know that Jesus is the real reason for all of the celebration? In fact, God loves you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, as a personal gift to you on this holiday that we call Christmas for your salvation. 
John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but would have everlasting life. It goes on in verse 17 and it says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. This child, Jesus, whose birth we celebrate today, we understand now that He was born to die for us. This gift that God gave that first Christmas is hard to understand. See, God sent us Jesus that we might be saved through him, not by being good, not by finding a way onto the nice list and not the naughty list, because the simple fact of the matter is, because of our sin, we're all on the naughty list. And yet God sent us his son. So what that means is that you, yes, you and the people that you're sitting next to there, You're the reason that God sent Jesus. You're the reason that we celebrate Christmas because God sent Jesus for us that we might be saved. So that you might hear the good news of his life, understand the magnitude of his death, and hear and understand the reality of his resurrection from the dead for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. That's what we're really celebrating today. See, God sent you the gift of Jesus on that first Christmas. And it's so easy to get caught up in all the other stuff that the world throws at us. But God sent you the gift of Jesus. And all he asks is that that we lovingly accept that gift as our own. That we accept Jesus for who he is. That we accept God's gift of Jesus. So what do we do for 12 years around here? What, what do we do we, before this day is over? We always say, happy birthday, Jesus. But somehow this year, understanding it the way that I do, I have to say thank you. Because Jesus did for me what I can't do for myself, and Jesus did for you what you can't do for yourself. So on this day that we celebrate the birth of that little baby in the manger in Bethlehem, Not only do I say Merry Christmas, but I say, God, thank you for who you are and for what you've done. Let's pray. God, thank you for the way that Luke so carefully recorded the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of your son, Jesus. Thank you, God, that 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 passage just stands alone today. We don't need to add anything to it. What we need to do is to hear it. We need to accept it. We need to believe it. Those simple 20 verses from Luke are your truth for us. They're the truth of how much you loved us, that you sent your only son, Jesus, to be born as one of us in the most humble of ways, to live, to teach, to love, and then to die out of that love for us, that you might raise him from the grave and that our sins might be forgiven. God, thank you for what you did for us in the person of Jesus, this little baby who we celebrate today. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.